Welcome to Shofar Ronnebosch Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Did you know that sometimes something that you do in the natural affects the spiritual world? Did you know that? Right? Something really simple in obedience. Because it's God, if you do it, it works. It doesn't make sense. It, it just it doesn't add up, you know, in terms of what our thinking. But because it's God, and like Wesley said, our faith is reasonable. Our faith is really, really reasonable because we know God is good. Because we've seen it and He's demonstrated to us. So our faith is not just a spiritual something. It's, it's a real belief in something. So you would remember Moses... Um, you know, God said to him, a battle again, he said to him, lift up your hands and the battle will be won. All right, what happened? Moses lifted up his hands, the battle was won, right? Did something in Moses' strength of his hands in the air change something on the battlefield? No, right? Did something in the spirit change when he lifted up his hands? Yes, did that which happened in the spirit change something in the natural? Yes, yes it did. All right? Isn't that amazing? We call it prophetic action. And God has called us to a life of obedience, and some of the obedience includes prophetic action. Right? Um, another example is in Elijah. Right? Um, oh, excuse me, Elijah. He stands with the king. He says to the king, take the arrow. Again, it's a battle. You know, all these analogies are battle because, because God knew that in this world, we will have tribulation. There will be, there's a real battle happening. So he says to the king, take the arrow and strike the ground. The king goes, he takes the arrow and he taps it on the ground three times, right? What was lacking? A little bit of passion, a little bit of conviction, and diligence, Right? He tapped it just a little bit. He wasn't really serious. So what had happened, and we, you know, we just know the scene, but we can just imagine this king wasn't really convinced it's going to work. Was the prophet con- convinced that it will work? Yes, no? The prophet was convinced. He knew that if that arrow would hit the ground and he would strike it, strike it, strike it, it will have a real-life implication. Now, the fact is this. You and I are the king with the arrow in our hands. And you are going to be faced um, for the rest of your life until Jesus comes back with the challenge of sometimes natural realities don't make sense in the spirit, right? You're going to be standing with an arrow in your hand, proverbially, um, for the rest of your life. Many times God's going to say to you, do this and this, and it's not going to make sense. Just actually your walk with God, if we're really honest with ourselves, for myself, so many times I think, okay, a while back the Lord challenged me. He said, pray in the Spirit for 10 minutes a day. And then I would be like, I, w- I would agree. I said, yes, I'm going to do it, Lord. And many days, it's, 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 it's sometimes the regular obedience or the, the continuous obedience that catches us, right? Um, we get the once-off obedience, right? Speaking for myself. But um, so many days I would say to myself, I'm really busy. I can do a real lot of work in 10 minutes. 
Um, I'm re- you know, really urgent time. It doesn't make sense for me to pray in the spirit now. Okay? Do you, do you see the battle there? Right? It doesn't make logical sense. I'm stressed out about stuff that needs to get done. Why would it make sense to use 10 minutes where I could have worked to, but because because God says it, it works, right? Because it's God, God's idea. Um, praying in the Spirit then affects a change. And so we need to make peace with the fact that we've got an arrow in our hands, right? And we need to strike it with diligence and passion, right? That's, again, on Wednesday, we're coming together in prayer, and you could say, but we've prayed for this nation many times. What has changed? Um, perhaps if you come... Before God, in prayer, you'll realize, okay, this is what actually affected, was, has been affected by the people of God in this nation, all right? Um, so, the arrow, it doesn't make sense, but because God says it, you strike it and it happens. I think that also is an, an analogy, not just for the, the natural versus the spiritual bat- battle, I call it the spiritual challenge, right? Um, but it's also an analogy for um, different giftings, right? There's two offices at play there. There's the kingly office, and then there's the office of the prophet. The prophet was convinced of what he sees, right? The king couldn't see what the prophet said, um, but he was supposed to trust the prophet, that the prophet sees, and because the prophet sees, he could strike the arrow as he should, right? So it's an encouragement to to build relationship with people that are different than you are, right? For the prophetic types, not just to be with prophetic types, right? For those of us that are not so prophetic, to make friends with people that are out there, right? See things, experience things. We need them because they, they, they remind us of realities, heavenly realities, right? One day we're going to be in eternity. We're going to be in heaven, right? Where God is, right? Isn't that the greater reality than this reality that we live in, all right? We live in a society that says what you see is, that's the only thing, you know, that's all there is, right? But that's not all there is. There's a greater reality, and that's the reality of the kingdom of God and the army of God. And we need to see it. Right, so there's the challenge. Knowing God, His Word. Okay, so the first thing, we're just, we're just going to spend time um, on the Word. We're going we're gonna to do this step by step. There's, there's so much of God to know. Did you realize that? The more you know God, the more you realize He's so big. There's just so much to know. We're going to discover God for eternity. So that's one side. We're going to spend time on His Word. We're going to spend time in His presence, worship and prayer. We'll talk about that. Um, And then um, what is also important in knowing God is sharing testimonies. Were you encouraged when David shared the testimonies of what God is doing with the youth? Right? Isn't that amazing? Right? To see. And we need to continuously see. Actually, it's part of our discipline to see what God is doing. As it is to read the Word and to spend time in prayer in, in His presence, it is... A discipline to both share testimonies and to listen to testimonies. So sometimes just in small groups, just sit, sit down and share, right? Share of what, what God, is, God is doing. Right, so I'm going to come back to a parable. Like I said, I'm picking up from 
where I was sharing a couple of weeks ago. And the reason why I'm doing this, I actually don't like to repeat myself ever. I don't like to preach the same sermon over. Um, but God is not letting me go on this. And I believe we need to grasp something and really get something as a church community um, in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 13. So incidentally, it's two different parables, but it's in the same chapter number. Luke 13 verse 6, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. Really intense parable that Jesus shares here. He says there's three parties in this, in this narrative, this story. There is the tree, which it's a fig tree. It represents us as individuals. We are the fig tree. Then there's the keeper of the garden and there's the owner of the garden. The owner of the garden is God the Father. The keeper of the garden is Jesus. God says, God the Father, the owner says, um, because of the, the, the character trait of God, um, that of justice, he's a just God, looks at the tree and he says, we have invested so much, in, but it's not producing. There's something wrong here. Jesus steps in as he did on the cross, right? And he says, because God is just, he's made a plan through the person of Jesus. Uh, Jesus came and he stepped in. He took what was rightly due to us, the wrath of God, the anger of God, um, judgment, he took on himself so that you and I can live. Jesus is amazing. Amen? Amen? Just one or two amens, the front seats, amening. Amen? Right? Now, again, yes, the tree, and it's not bearing fruit. Jesus says, I'm going to take care of this tree. For a year, for the next season, I'm going to nurture the tree, I'm going to dig around the tree, make sure that there's good soil, um, and then, you know, let's, I believe in this tree. This tree can do it, right? That's always the role that Jesus takes. He believes in us, right? And he takes care of us, he tends us, um, but he wants to see fruit. So, and on the one side, it's really encouraging. Jesus is making it happen, right? Jesus would make it happen in your life if you were to allow him. On the other side, it's quite scary. We need to produce fruit. God is watching. He wants to see that we are who He's made us to be. And not something that the world wants us to be. Right? That's, that's the definition of fruit. We bear things from the place of being connected to God. Right? We produce life into this world. Then the second parable, Matthew chapter 13 Listen then what the parable of the sower means. When, it, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away, the seed falling among the thorn, 
thorns refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. We read these parables and we've heard it so many times that we forget the, the, the kingdom realities in these really powerful stories that Jesus tells. It's simplistic stories. But don't let simplistic um, take away from the fact that it's powerful, right? Really, really powerful in our, in our lives. And so, again, back to that analogy of the guy on the hang glider. There's one way to do it, and then there's another way. The one causes you pain, right? You can get through this life, life uh, this life, and the kingdom of God is a life and death matter, right? We're hanging from the air. If we let go... We might die eternally. Scary, but true, right? God, so you can either be like that guy hanging on for dear life, your bicep tears because it's really tough, really difficult, or you can put, tie yourself against the thing and have a harness, right? Now, the, the, the good news is this. God has provided a harness. We as believers don't have to struggle through life. We don't have to hang on there. You know, for dear life, I'm going to just, just make it. No, he's made available the harness, but it's, it's the discipline that makes this ride a safe one and an enjoyable one. Who, who wouldn't want to have an enjoyable um, life? Jesus says, I've come to give life in abundance, right? But you must have the harness on. Okay, let's get back to Matthew 13. So, there's a picture up on the screen by faith. Thanks, Jace. Okay, hearts are so important. Uh, the state of your heart is so important. Hearts are not mathematical equations. They're not task, list. task lists. They require guarding and nurturing. Like Proverbs 4 verse 23 says and Luke 13 verse 6. Um, in other words, there's a need for consistent intentionality. A decision in us to make sure our hearts are in a good place. Right? There's, there's, there's so much good about it. Um, I'm really limiting the discussion just to this parable. We can spend a lot of time on this, but for the sake of time, I just want to focus on these. So, there's, there's four scenarios. And like I said last time, it could be four scenarios of people um, that, you know, are coming to God. But it could also be seasons in our lives. It's not just, okay, that moment, I was, a good, I was good ground. That's how we read it sometimes, don't we? I'm, I'm in the fourth group because I know Jesus, right? So God's word found its place in art. But it's not just that one moment. It could be seasons in your life. Okay, so there are, um, if you can go to the next slide, Jace. There's four scenarios, right? So the first one is, is captive hearts. My little men, I had little men, there was like a devil face, you know, the devil emoticon there, captive hearts. Because the evil one, that's the first scenario, captive hearts. The evil one takes the word, he snatches it away. So in other words, to, those of, to some of us, and again, I'm not, we're not limiting this just to that moment you came to God. For, the, for, for this morning's sake, most, we know God, right? But we could also be in such a state. In that scenario, it means the enemy has access to your heart. 
In the, in the other four, three scenarios, he doesn't have access to your heart. But, but in a certain state, he can come and snatch the word of God out of your heart. Scary, right? So that's what I call the captive heart. God comes with his word. You might be in church. You might actually have quiet time. But the enemy comes and he snatches it away, right? That which God intended to be good for you, to bless you, to bring stability in your life, to bring peace in your life, to bring all the fruit, God had intended that, that seed to take root in your heart. The enemy snatched it away, right? Some, some of us need to be, realize that happening, maybe not even ourselves, maybe in family, in friends, that the enemy snatches it away. And it's, it's not going to help by just ignoring the situation. You need to get upset with the evil one. That is the thief that snatches away the word of God. Um, isn't that a, a, a really um, natural but sensible um, response? If a thief comes, he steals. It's, it's natural and sensible to be angry with the thief. No one's going to come to the thief and say, Oh, um, welcome to my house. There's the living room. Go, go for it. And, you know, we're not going to, we, we're actually just going to make like you're not here. We're going to just go to the room and we'll make, we'll, I'll go to my bedroom and we'll, not, we'll make like you're not here. And you never arrived. And it's not the case. We, it doesn't make sense to do that. Right? That's the captive heart. Secondly, there's the hardened hearts and the overwhelmed hearts. Hardened hearts and overwhelmed. Let me read the two. Um, descriptions there. Seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once, uh, receives it with joy. Okay? So there's, there's a reception of the word of God. There's even excitement. Wow, God spoke to me. Wow, this is God. But since they have no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The reason why the word doesn't find root in us is because of hardness of heart. And again, I, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, but that's the one thing that really upset Jesus about his disciples, was the fact that they had hardened their hearts. And, and in the context that Jesus uh, rebukes them is when they cannot believe God for miracles, that, that God could do the impossible, right? They've hardened their hearts. They've allowed circumstances to harden their hearts so that their hearts cannot receive the word of God. So that's hardened hearts. And then there's overwhelmed hearts. Overwhelmed hearts means we are so preoccupied with the things of this world. And yes, we need to be in this world. We need to be not of this world, but in this world. Um, and so many times we can be pre our hearts. Maybe not our minds, but, but most often our minds follow our hearts. Did you realize that? If your heart, heart is overwhelmed, your mind will probably soon follow. And you'll be overwhelmed in your thinking. Right? So what are the, the aspects of being overwhelmed? And again, it's hearts overwhelmed. Um, the worries of this life, am I going to make it? Am I going to be fine? Am I going to be accepted? Am I going to be able to make the payments? Am I going to be able to get to my commitments? Am I going to please my boss? Am I going to, what about the dynamics? Are people going to like me? All these worries, right? Then, the second one is deceitfulness of wealth. Choke the word, okay? So the deceitfulness about things of this world, 
all right? And we all know there's nothing wrong with the things of this world um, unless it begins to choke the Word of God, right? And so perhaps there's these certain desires in us and they overwhelm our hearts. Perhaps it's not even spoken things, but it's just in our heart, right? We just really, I really, really want this. And this could be a relationship. This could be something that I really need. Um, and then God counters this. Jesus anticipated this. He says, why do you worry? I take care of the birds. I take care of the lilies that are clothed better than all of you. How much more would I take care of you? Okay, so he anticipates this worrying state in our hearts. All right, whatever that thing is that we know. We all have this thing that we really want and really need. But is it in check? Is it in balance? Is it in a good place? But that causes the overwhelmed heart. And, and these two play off each other. The more my heart is overwhelmed, you know, and, and see, see, at the captive hearts, the, the enemy has access to your heart. So you can steal the word from your heart. With overwhelmed and hardened hearts, um, he doesn't have access to your heart, but he has access to your circumstances. Right? So, if he realizes, the enemy realizes you um, are overwhelmed in your heart. There's this overwhelmness, contention in your heart. Guess what? He'll make sure that you get more overwhelmed. He'll make sure that everything goes wrong. Right? That you would get into a cycle. The more your heart is overwhelmed by circumstances, eventually, I'm not going to go through the details, but eventually your heart starts hardening, right? If you, if you stay in a place of being overwhelmed in, of heart for too long, your heart will be hardened. And the word, so these two, these two play off each other. But then there's the heart at peace and contentment, right? The good ground. And listen to, 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 to what um, Jesus says in the parable here. This is the one who produces a crop Yielding 160 and 30 times that which was sown. That is amazing. In other words, the, the human heart has the capacity, the potential of multiplication. Isn't that amazing? God gives you one seed. You can produce 60 times of what, that which he put in you. Isn't that amazing? That's the potential we have in God, Right? If we have overwhelmed, hardened hearts, we don't realize our potential, right? So investigate the state of your heart. Investigate and say, God, come and show me um, that I would produce the fruit that you look like to see. I'm going to be like that tree that when the father, the owner comes and he says, how much fruit is on this tree? He looks at this tree and he is satisfied. Because he's, he sees fruit there. Right, so I'm going to pray for us this morning. And um, if the band can please come up. We're going to just allow God just to direct our hearts. And to speak to us. Um, and to, to, by his Holy Spirit, if you have recognized any part of yourself. So often, especially when we become mature Christians, many parts of our lives are in order. It's really in control. But then there's this one area. And we're going to just surrender this one area to God and say, God, maybe I'm overwhelmed here. 
Would you come in, bring peace to this situation? Would you come in and bring um, soften hearts, soften my heart? I've hardened my heart. And so now it's really not, it's really not working. I'm not seeing the fruit of your life, uh, the fruit of your kingdom in my life. I'm not experiencing joy, peace, fulfillment, life in abundance. Um, or is your heart in the first position? It's a, it's a captive place. My heart is captive to the enemy. I, I see it happening. He snatches it away. Every time God would want to do something amazing in my life, the enemy comes in and he snatches it away. Why can he do that? Why does he have access to your heart? There the solution is not just recognizing it. In the other situations, if you recognize it, it's, it's, it's halfway to the battle. With a captive heart, just recognizing is not good enough. You need to get out from where you are. The positioning is wrong. Um, you need to get out of the place where the enemy can take captive the thoughts or the, the, the seed of God. So let's just um, bring our hearts to God. And I know this, this message is, is really simple. It's really the basics. But you know what? What matters on the inside, Jesus says, this is my temple. Matters. It's, it's everything. What, what, what is happening on the inside of you has eternal consequences. This is what it's about. Having a heart and a temple that belongs to God that is clean and pure. And Jesus says, He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll come and, He'll come and cleanse. He'll come and nurture. He'll come and break open the fallow ground. And then He'll bring the fire. He'll bring the passion. He'll bring His glory. He will do all of it. So see, this morning, personally, what matters to me this morning is not what your perception of me is. You can maybe think I'm very unspiritual or conversely you can think I'm spiritual but that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is the state of my heart. Is my heart on fire for God? That is ultimately what it's about. So Lord we ask you that you would come and be the flame in our hearts. God we want to get through this life and not just get through it but have the abundance that Jesus spoke about. Lord, we don't want to just survive. And I sense, God, some of us are like that hang glider. We're hanging on for dear life. We're struggling through it. We're avoiding the fact that we're in the air without a harness. And we're trying to look up at the sky. We're trying to look at the hang glider. We're looking at different places. Where, where am I going to you know, get help? But God, you have given everything. You've made everything available. And so, Father, we pray that you would come and move in our hearts. I want to ask, while every eye is closed, if you can just, just indicate to God, um, this is for any state. I'm not going to even going to ask you for different um, states of your heart, and even if you're not even connected to God, or if you're very connected to God, but you just want to respond this morning. If you want to respond to any of what we've been sharing, then just put up your hands in the air say, Jesus, I just come 
and I bring to you my heart. I say, you are the keeper. Come and keep my heart. I allow you to come in. I allow you to come in. Won't you just do that this morning? Just stretch out your hands, both of your hands to the heavens. Say, Jesus, you are my keeper and you are the tender of this garden. Come into my heart. Soften the hearts, Lord. This morning I pray, soften our hearts, Lord. Soften our hearts where circumstances have hardened it. Lord, that the enemy has brought about situations that has hardened our hearts. God, our hearts are overwhelmed by various things, worries and challenges and struggles. And they're very real, Lord, but they've got very real impacts in our hearts. And Jesus, you care for us. You say, cast your case upon me and I will take care of it. Take your burden and put it on the Lord. Just right now, where you are, just, just see yourself giving that burden and in your mind, name it. Say that burden of stress, that burden of, of fear of man, being afraid of this person or that person, being afraid of something. Say, God, I give it to you and I ask for your perfect love instead. Give me your perfect love. Recognizing that the enemy is stealing. Say, God, come and come and reposition me. There's something that needs to shift in me. There's something that needs to change in me. I need to change. I need to move. Because where I'm at, it's not working. Because God, the enemy is just taking whatever good God gives to me. It's just like it falls through. So reposition me. I'm, I want to specifically pray for you if that's you this morning. Why don't you just lift your hand high? Just one, your right hand. Father, we just pray for every hand that is raised to you. Thank you, Father, that you reposition hearts. God, you bring them out from that position where they are, where they're vulnerable to the enemy. Father, we bring them now under the shadow of your wings. Bring them into protection. God, bring them into safety. God, bring them into a place where they are protected. God, and show them practically, Holy Spirit, you are the helper. Help them right now of decisions and actions that they need to take to get out from that place where they are vulnerable to the enemy. But Father, I pray the blood of Jesus over them they would be protected. No longer has the enemy got access to them. Thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy. And I bless you, Lord, for your work. You are faithful. God, we thank you that this morning I can pray for every person that is here. And we bring ourselves to you, God. We say, even if we're producing tenfold, we know that you have called us to produce even more. You've called us to produce 60-fold. So thank you for that multiplication. Thank you for the seedbeds of our hearts to become even more recipient, Lord, for your word, to become even more um, cultivated and nourished. And so Jesus, the keeper of the garden, come do it in us. Father, I bless every person here. And we thank you for your goodness. God, we pray that you would bless the journey that we go on as a church. 
And God, this is not just a journey of growth. This is a prophetic statement saying that God, above everything God else, we want to know you. As a church community, that is the most important thing to us. Not that which we accomplish, not the promised land, but Mount Sinai, where we meet with you. And God, we choose to embrace the uncomfortability of that, that space of intimacy. And not just intimacy with you, God, intimacy with one another. We choose to embrace and to go through that inertia, God, that difficult first initial part. We choose to step away from fear, God. We pray that you would perfect us with love. Perfect us with love and restore, God. I say restore what the enemy has stolen amongst us, God. Every seed that was snatched away, we say, Lord, we, through you, we say to the enemy, return now hundredfold to the people of God. Every word that was snatched away, you will bring it back. God, we ask that you would restore in the name of Jesus hundredfold to your people. And everyone says, Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you for coming. Have a lovely day. God bless.